Welcome to another episode of Chukama Radio. My name is Yubi, and I will be your co-host for this episode. We're very fortunate today to have Daishi with us. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. It's good to hear your voice. I'm glad to have this time to talk with you, and I'm looking forward to seeing you real soon back over on the other side of the world. Yes, and uh, today's topic is mindstream. So this term, mindstream, it comes up quite a lot in our group. But for the new people listening, what is meant when we use the word mindstream, and what is it truly? Mindstream. It encompasses basically all the action of the brain, the physiological brain, the way that it communicates to us on a conscious, subconscious, if we want to use that word, an unconscious level. So the bridge between the deeper consciousness called the unconscious and the present uh, conscious level of mindstream would be the kind of mindstream that we can hear and see. So like the song that's playing in the background of our daily life that we don't know how it got turned on or how it got there. We're not sure why it's playing. We don't know how to make it stop. The conversations we apparently have with ourselves, right? You know, who's talking to who, but there's some voice there. The suggestions, the whispers, the murmuring, the judgments, the abstractions, all of these conditions that come up that I either completely associate with or comes out of nowhere and I don't know why it's there. All of that would be considered mindstream. And then to finish the thought, there is a deeper brand of that, which we call the aggregates, which we get into later. But just generally speaking, mindstream is anything that's happening in the brain that we don't consider ourselves. And that changes as the path goes on, right? You mentioned something there about the different levels of the mind, conscious, subconscious, unconscious. So are there different levels to mindstream as well that correspond to those uh, those levels of the mind? Sure, because we're only aware of what we're aware of. So there's still noises, still mindstream, there's still action of the brain that's happening that we might not be really conscious of. So when we say mindstream from the conscious perspective, that could be the question that pops up did I lose my key? Where did I put my keys? Or where am I going at one o'clock? Or some discussion about the future or some mind stream that shows me a projection of a memory or some mind stream that is a communicative mind stream. Something that I can point to would be considered conscious mind stream. But when we get to the unconscious mind stream, this is mind stream that's happening that I'm not aware of yet. So it's mind stream that's going on. It's still happening, but I can't point it out. And usually this kind of mind stream will erupt and influence us either in the outside environment, the outside world, or it will come up in the form of physiological conditions like sensations and pains and aches and agonies, or it will come out in the form of emotion, emotional responses. So things that necessarily we're not aware of why they're corresponding back to unconscious mindstream, but the root of all things is the mindstream itself. So when if I'm feeling agitated in the morning, as an example, and I can't really point to why I'm agitated. So in other words, I don't know why I feel angry or anxious. I can't really point to anything directly that would make me feel that way. That's conditioned to an unconscious part of mindstream, a place where the root began in the brain, but we just don't know where. And conscious mindstream, on the other hand, is where I can deliberately point. There was a judgment made about that person and I heard it clearly. Like I was aware that that judgment was made and then I had a reactionary feeling about it as well. So those two levels, conscious and unconscious, just mean that I'm aware of the root. I'm aware of the brain's beginning aspect uh, to whatever degree that is, depending on where we are on the path. But I'm aware of that 
or I'm not aware of it. And unconscious means I'm not aware of it. Something happened, and I'm just not sure where it originated, where its origination point was. One of the things that you start to notice as you make more distance between you and the thoughts is how little control you, you really have over this process. It's making you worry about some event that hasn't even happened yet in the future or reliving a past event. So who's generating the mind stream and who's listening to it? And why is this process happening seemingly without my explicit consent? That's a great question. And that's really where the path starts for most people. Why would, you know, how many people are in my head, right? So <laughs> if I'm listening to my own brain, it's not me. So when someone says, well, I'm, wait, I'm thinking or I'm talking to myself, hold on a second. Well, which one is the self? <laughs> you know, you got to be one or the other. You can't be both. And as we go down this path, we realize that there's a whole bunch of voices in there. I don't know if they're all originating from one other source or if they're all independent sources. Some of them hate the neighbor's cat and some of them want me to do terrible things. Some of them want me to go after attractions and others want me to run from aversions. And some of them are judgmental and some of them are neurotic. And so we've got all these kind of symphony of conversations going on. And we don't know why. Like, what is all this noise? And so as we make distance, as you said, as we start to become clearer about this and more aware of what's going on in the mind, we begin to notice that there's a lot of stuff happening up there that, like you said, I, I don't really consent to. I haven't asked for and I'm not generating. And this is one of the troubles that we find in human society is that unconsciously, we're associating with all this noise. In other words, we believe that it's us we believe that all of this noise is me. And that's a terrible way to live because it's not. If you can observe something, it's not the observer, right? In other words, if you can see it, if you're aware of it, it can't be the awareness. It can't be the source. It's something after origination. It's something after the source, I should say. So the voice in your head, the emotions going on, the physiological aches and pains that you're noticing, that you're, you're becoming aware of, are vibrations or movement outside of the awareness and they can't necessarily be you. And so this is what we're trying to take note of because the more unconscious we entangle with all of this mental mind stream, emotional energy and physiological vibration sensation and whatnot, the more we are driven by it and controlled by it. So we have to back away from the vessel. We have to back away from the vehicle, the brain body vehicle enough so that we can make a determination between where do I or whatever that is begin and where does all this other noise nonsense begin so that I can see where I am and where it is and I stop allowing it to drive my experience and perception. And that's the basis of the foundation of the path. It has to begin there. Once we make that distance big enough, then we can actually start the mystical journey that happens beyond into stream or what we call realization or nirvana and so on and so forth. We go beyond. But that has to be done first. And that is where all the hard work is because we're really lost and entangled in there. So we're not really sure like what part of the stickiness of egoic mind stream 
is me and what part of it is just nonsense happening in the brain physiological body aspect. And this is a hard work part of the process. But there are ways to get through that very quickly and aggressively. And there's ways to get through that very slowly and methodically and, and over time. It depends on the, you know, kind of angst of the practitioner. Some practitioners want to cut right through and move right into the advanced portions of the path. And they work very hard in quality and quantity. And others just want to take their time and kind of walk through the garden slowly there. I used to think that being meditative or doing a meditation is all about somehow stopping the flow of thoughts. It's, you know, even an expression, clear your mind, empty your mind. But does that even work? And what should our attitude be towards mindstream? Should we battle it, embrace it, ignore it? What should we do? It's a great question. So, so how do you face this, right? What's the way to handle this? Now, there are certain advanced practices that allow us to watch. Definitely, we need to watch it. We need to become aware of it. Because once we're aware of it, it stops being an unconscious process. Once we're aware of it, it's no longer unconscious, and we're no longer unaware of it. We're aware. Once we become aware of it, then we can build strength of will. So the brain, physiological brain, and the body can do what it wants to do. It can be free without battling, fighting, and getting into aggravated assaults with this weird, you know, grappling match between the mind stream and physiological body and the awareness itself, the cognition. We want everyone to be happy, right? We want the whole family of the body to be happy and to do whatever it wants to do naturally and organically. So if the brain wants to, you know, ramble on, I don't want to coerce it and battle it to stop doing that. I don't want to try to fight with it constantly because that's just to wear me out. That's not a very good life to try to fight the brain and no, you will do this, you will do that. This kind of control measure is not what we want. We're trying to get away from us being controlled and us controlling. That's the point of the path is liberation and freedom. So we want the brain to say, hey, do what you want to do. Okay, you be as neurotic as you want, you be as crazy as you want, judgmental as you want, abstract all you want, go into the past, go into the future, do all those things, and you enjoy. And, you know, let the body have its emotional fun and let the body have its physiological fun. That's all good. All we want to really do is just become aware that we're not that thing. And through that, knowing that awareness, that experience of knowing that, hey, I'm not the neurotic thoughts, in that there's massive freedom there. And it allows us to cut the karmic cords, the habit energy entanglements to that mind stream over time so that inevitably the unconscious and the conscious become totally clear to us. There's no more unconscious mind stream. It's all available and all radiantly clear to us so that we can detach from all of it and then fall backwards into our natural essential nature, which is a stream or a nirvana or an enlightened perception. Because it's no longer noisy and it's no longer entangled by anything unconscious. And it's no longer entangled by anything in the mind stream, anything in the physiological body. It's completely released and completely free. And then from that point, from clear, a non-filtered clear perception, we can then adequately go after building the higher sense, the spiritual sense, which allows us to perceive reality beyond the five senses and give us a better data set. In other words, we get more information because we know the five senses are limited from the higher six spiritual sense. And from there, we can make proper perceptions about reality in a pure form. You mentioned karma and karmic entanglements there. So we're causing or creating more karma, not by just our physical actions, but also the thoughts that we empower. 
Absolutely, because karma really just represents, in its purest form, the subtle movement of energy and the echoing of that energy that becomes, it blooms into mind, emotion, physiological action, and macrocosmic or outside world reactions, actions, and then boomerangs back onto us in the form of habit energy. So it really begins right at the seed of vibration, right? When energy just starts to wave, when it just starts to vibrate, it's begun, karma's begun. Now, if we don't entangle with that wave, if we don't believe the wave is us, in other words, we made distinction between where I am and the wave is, and we just observe the wave go out and come back in, no entanglement to that karma happens. We're free of it. But if at any point in that cascade, in that fractal of movement, the iterations that happen from the seed point of vibration through mindstream thoughts, through emotions, through speech and action, and through reaction in the outside world, if we fall into the unconscious belief it is something to do with me, that me, illusory self, then we're entangled to the karma. So karma isn't really a bad thing or a good thing. All it really means is that there's a wave that goes out and comes back. Now, whether we're attached to it or not, and whether we learn to detach from it or remove ourselves from it is how we either add or remove karma. And the idea of adding or removing karma is that the more karma we add, the more we become entangled in the delusion of the world. And the more karma we let go of, the more we become free of the delusion of the world. So we're either going closer and tighter and becoming more compressed, contracted, and more me, my mind, selfing, illusory, delusional. Or we're extracting and growing, expanding and releasing and becoming free and absolutely clear and boundless and not controlled and free to express our natural essence, which is something beyond just the temporal body that comes and goes and comes and goes. Yeah, that sounds like something I would enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody does enjoy it. It's just getting there, right? It's getting there. So basically, we're creating our own experience with our entanglements to mindstream? You're agreeing, instead of creating, you're just agreeing to allow the brain to create your world. You're riding along somebody else's journey because the physiological body and that illusory identity has already been conditioned to do and say everything it's going to do and say from the way it's been influenced ever since it was gestated in the mother, right? So it's been conditioned and controlled to become what it is. And we either follow that path and go, God, I have a, you know, I'm born under a lucky or an unlucky star and I'm just following this along and, you know, geez, I don't know, I guess I'm fortunate and my life is good or I'm unfortunate and my life is bad. And this is not us in control of anything. This is us just following a path and saying, I don't know, it's taking me here. Instead of being fully control, which is to release the connection to that completely. And then from radiant awareness, really from there decide whether we want to go left, right, up, down. And that's where we really disengage from free will and non-free will. If we're entirely entangled to that illusory self and its societally and culturally influenced identity, then we're tied down to what it's going to say, do. And that can be all programmed out. I mean, we can figure out almost precisely what you'll say, do, and how your life will be based on those influences if we had a computer big enough. But once we let go of that, our intention changes and shifts and we let go of that, then we actually get more and more ability to actually choose and decide because we have boundlessness. We're no longer tied to a binary dualistic processor, a limited brain. Now we have a sense that transcends that and goes beyond that. And that's where the evolution of man is going. It's going to be beyond brain and it's going to be beyond dualistic thinking. And we either jump on that train or we get run over by it. Yeah, 
in talking about things that influence us, I've often noticed that the sense impressions that I take in from the outside world, through music, and TV, any media, it tends to become the, the content of my mind stream. So in the beginning, would it be beneficial to reduce these external sense impressions? Well, you said it right. So the beginning is the point. There is some place at some point in the path where you have enough will that you've become clear enough that these things no longer influence you the same way, that you're free from it and you're just sort of like, anything can come and go and I'm sort of clear. It doesn't matter what music, it doesn't matter what's happening outside or inside of me, I'm clear from it now. But in the beginning, oh, it's harmful because we're not able to have the strength, just like a small child isn't, to be influenced by everything that's bombarding them. So it really helps to remove ourselves from the things that we know we can't control their influence on us. In other words, I know that somehow if a television is playing in the background and I'm beginning the path, that television is influencing me in ways I couldn't possibly understand. The same way that social media and advertising and magazines and radio and cell phones and, and sort of everything is influencing me in ways that I couldn't imagine. I don't mean just deliberately. I'm not saying just in a marketing way because that's a deliberate influence. I mean just in a way that even humans don't understand. They're shaping the way we perceive reality right? They're limiting our view even further. They're making more filters. So in the beginning, it's best to try to cut out some of the negative influences we know we can't control. Look, I don't want to add a bunch of more karma. I don't want to ride through a bunch more impressions and all kinds of influences if I'm trying to release myself from them. So it's good to kind of separate as much as you can. And of course, got to be in the world. But it's good to separate yourself from the things that you go, well, this is not really helping me. And I, I mean, like, this isn't going to do anything good for me, especially if I'm trying to get clear of it all. And to be wise and sensible about that kind of approach. Some of it you have to look at and say, well, I have to do these things. I've got to be part of my job and my family. And so, okay, I got to deal with, but I'm going to limit the places that I can so they don't influence me unnecessarily while I'm trying to get, you know, removed from the crazy nonsense of my illusory self, of that kind of temporary transient self that's been created by my parents and my friends and the government and my schools. And, you know, I want to get away from that person that's limited and, you know, has filters and judgments, abstractions, conditions that's going to bind me down to a journey that's probably most likely laden in suffering and pains. Even though I might find sometimes some relief from it, I'm eventually going to sit by myself and go, boy, this life sucks. You know, at some point, someone will have that conversation with themselves and say, boy, why can't I ever find any kind of satisfaction? I mean, I work hard, I try hard, I, my relationships, my money, my control and power and influence and all these things that I just can't get sustainable satisfaction from this. And then that point you can realize you're looking in the wrong way and it's never coming from that direction. You've got to go inside and you've got to get rid of the very engine that's producing that dissatisfaction. People who are starting out on the path and feel like they want to detangle from mindstream, but maybe they need a little help, where can they go? They can go, like we always say, come to us, drewkama.com. We're happy to help you. If you don't come to us, find somebody that knows this path and can help you through it because it's hard to do it from your own vantage point. That's the problem. It's hard for you to navigate out of that wilderness because you've never done it before and you don't know the directions and where you're going and what to look out for. So you need a teacher that can help you get through that. That's why we see in the major mystical traditions that are thousands of years old, there's always a teacher-student relationship because that passed on teaching is important 
to try to go do this and just, you know, it's like sort of building a rocket ship, right? I'm not an astronaut. I'm not an astrophysicist. I don't know anything about astronomy or jet propulsion or, or engineering, but I'm just going to go ahead and just try to build a space shuttle. That's going to be pretty difficult. I mean, you can try and maybe somebody would eventually do it in their lifetime, but the chances of falling backward into it are pretty rare and pretty hard. So make it easy on yourself. Find somebody who's accomplished this authentically and seek them out. That's the way to go. So as we're launching this program for people generally, and you know, you've been around for a while, but people who are honestly looking for this for the first time can go to our website at drukama.com. And we have classes there. We have teachers there, or you can go and find someone. And unfortunately, I always say there's a lack of good teaching, but you can find somebody that has been through it, who's willing to work with you and help you through this process. Now, as I finish this thought, the benefit of this and the reason why this freedom is sought after by so many people through so many generations. And it's been one of the things that have carried forward through our human history is because the outcome of it, the place that you arrive when you wipe away the illusory self and beyond is so unimaginably beautiful, so radiantly crystal clear, and so absolutely pristine that it's worth every single moment of its work. It's worth this whole life to put into it because once it's achieved, you're done. You've released and there's no more working at it. There's no more practicing at it. You're free. And once that freedom happens, you know, it can't be spoken about, but it's just beyond bliss. It's beyond anything you can imagine. So it's important that people seek this because if they don't, you're simply going to be carried off in the same routine of trying to satiate the need for pleasure, getting that fulfilled for a little while, but as that rat race continues, you'll never, ever get to the end of it. It will always be rhythms that come back and come back and come back. So if you don't spend this precious time as a human being on this little ball floating out in the middle of nowhere, trying to get that and win that stream entry nirvana place, you've wasted this life because you've simply just run from one thing to another. And that's an ignorant view. It really is because that's not going to ever get you where you need to go. And it should be clear to anyone who's matured to a certain place, I'm not going to be satisfied. It's never going to happen. No matter what I do, it's never going to be that, okay, everything is good and I'm happy and I'm blissful and I'm clear. Okay. So if you think about that for a minute, you'll understand that it's not coming from the outside. It has to be from within. And so I say, start the journey now. It doesn't take a long time, but it does take work and effort because we have to undo what's been done. We have to undo the entanglement. So Try to get involved either with us or with somebody and get on it sooner rather than later. The world is in the same place it's been for decades because people have not fully understood this human brain body well enough and realize that it's a phenomenal vessel. It's a phenomenal vehicle, but we don't know how to drive it. And so we need to gain some insight and understanding into it a little further. Can you give us a little update on a potential launch date? We're just finishing up some, and I say we, not me, but the team is finishing up some introduction videos they've been working on. So we're really close now and a bunch of free content will be available for people to see and learn about the process. I'm looking forward to making a launch within maybe a week, 10 days, something like that. We're running as fast as we can toward it, but I'm at the mercy of the brilliant creative people who are doing an amazing job putting it together. And I want them to do what they need to do without any pressure. But I also know that there are many people who have asked us about getting involved right away. And there's a line for that that's building. So we are working as fast as possible, but at the same time, we're trying to do it the right way. Cool. Well, I can't wait. Thank you so much for joining us today, Daishi. 
We appreciate you finding time out of your hectic schedule to do this. Thank you for having me here. You did a phenomenal job. I appreciate you, Yuvi, very much for putting your time out like this and giving your time to the people out there who are listening because the show does a lot of good for a lot of people. So thank you as well. It was a pleasure to be here, Daishi. Thank you. If you have any questions or comments about today's show or anything else related to Drukama Radio, send us an email at radio at drukama.com. That's D-R-U-K-A-M-A. Thanks for joining us. Rate and review the show if you feel like it. And see you on the next one. Mm-hmm.